Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. Next week, we start a brand new series, and it's called Untapped. I made that graphic. I'm pretty proud of it. It makes a bit unsure. <laughs> I thought, you know, Untapped. And uh, really, the series, I love June. Because for us that live, June is the month leading up to our anointing service. And for those who have never been to anointing service before, it is going to be on the 1st of July. It's an evening thing that we do. Uh, and we, we, as an eldership, we pray for every single person. We wait on God for a word uh, for you, a prophetic word for you that sets you up for the rest of this year and hopefully um, beyond as well, uh, depending on what God wants to do. And, and I just love it. Uh, anointing services are my favorite time of the year. We just see so much happening. And if you've got a story from last year's anointing service uh, where God really spoke into your future or God spoke into your life, can you just let us know some of those stories? Because I think some people are a little bit worried about this spiritual stuff and they don't really know what to expect. Um, but because you know what to expect, you're excited for it, you're hungry for it. Let us know so that we can encourage other people in this. Um, but what we like to do through the month of June is that we like to get people ready. And this year, as we were preparing for it, as I was preparing for it, as I was praying into it, there was just this sense that um, there's a lot of stuff that God has for us that is untapped in our lives. Um, you know, Jesus says that greater things than what He has done, we'll see. And I don't know about you, but I don't think I've quite seen enough of that yet. You know, I don't think I've seen dead people rise yet. I don't think I've seen blind people receive their sight in a moment. I don't think I've seen half of what Jesus has done. And so there's a sense in me that there's something that's untapped. Um, and, you know, maybe it's not just about the glamorous stuff. Sometimes it's also just, you know, our culture is kind of shifting to a place where waking up is difficult sometimes. And I think that there's an untapped grace that God has for each and every single one of us. No matter where you're at, no matter where you're at in your life, I believe that there's something more for you. And that is where this series is about us going for it, is about us going, you know, there is something more. There is more. And so if you are discouraged, if you are struggling, or if you are just hungry for more, this series is for you. We are starting next week. Um, just to give you a little uh, hint, we'll be talking a lot about taps. So we'll be a bit of tap dancing. I've already told Mitch, um, um, Mitch has to do some tap dancing as he's uh, leading uh, the song set next week, with a top hat preferably. He is so excited for this. Anyway, I've just put you guys off coming. <laughs> so that's good. No, no, not so good. <laughs> it's going to be an awesome month. Um, we are also setting up a lot of time for extra extended worship, should say, at the end of our experiences. And so it's going to be a great month. We're expecting a move of God like never before, an untapped move of God that we have not seen before. So why don't you come next week? Thanks for coming today. Come next week as well. But today I get to finish off our community series. And uh, we've been sharing about this whole idea of being in community. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, sorry, at the start of this series, we, we set it up saying that there are going to be three things that we're going to teach you to get in order to be in community. We spoke about how you need to get over 
You need to get over wounds. You need to get over hurts. You need to get over the things that are holding you back. We spoke about how forgiveness is key in that. And I, I, I receive a lot of feedback from people saying that that was really helpful. Because so many of us say, yeah, yeah, I forgive you. You hurt me, but I forgive you. Well, that tells me that you've not forgiven. You don't understand the fullness of forgiveness. So that podcast is available for you. And then we spoke last week about getting real. If we want to have true community, we can't be all coming to this place, putting on our mask and our different, and acting to be someone else. That persona is the one that's in community and we are standing way back somewhere else and, and holding ourselves back from community. And we need to get real. And so we talked about how we can get real. We talked about the importance of getting real. And that's last week's podcast. Today, I'm going to be speaking about about get building all of you guys you need to learn how to be a little bit like Bob Bob's not here today <laughs> sorry I actually have someone here called Bob but he's not here so it's a bit sad but Bob the builder we all need to be a little bit like Bob we all can build community we all need to get this sense in us that we're not just coming into community, but we are also contributing to community. And you know, the first two gets that we spoke about, getting over and getting real, they're probably more about dealing with past issues, with things that are holding us back. But in order to really have community, it's not just about dealing with your past, it's about where we are going into the future. And this is the whole point of it. We need to start to get busy. We need to get building in order for our community to go somewhere and the truth is that God has placed us in community because we are better together we are so much better together uh, Solomon the king who received the immense gift of wisdom he, he wrote this in Ecclesiastes 4 7 and 12 let me read it to you again I saw something meaningless under the sun there was a man all alone he had neither son nor brother and there was no end to his toil yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. If either one of them falls, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. How can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, Two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. How many of you heard these verses before, especially at weddings? You know, this is kind of like the wedding verses. You know, a cord of three strands is like, get married and get some God into you and you'll be fine for the rest of your life. Um, and, but when you look at the context of this verse, Solomon wasn't talking about being married. He was talking about a guy who was working his butt off. And then somehow he got all of this money, all of the things that he thought that he was wanting to work towards, and then he went, I'm alone. I'm isolated. I've got no one around me, and I can't enjoy this wealth that I have built. And then Solomon goes on to talk about the whole thing about two are better than one, etc., etc. This is not about marriage, guys, but somehow we have talked about this intimacy, this sense of community, this sense of openness in the context of marriage, and we forget that there's actually a much wider community that God has placed us in. And so we learn how to just be open with one. 
but we forget that God has actually placed us in a much greater community. And I'm wondering if we realize that, maybe we will unlock the power of community in our lives. And I put up uh, at the start of this series, um, uh, there's a video about how this person, this scientist, this researcher, spoke about how if you want to live a long life, the greatest predictor of living a long life isn't your medical science, isn't, isn't a, the amount of exercise or healthy eating you do. It's about the people that you have in your life. And so many of us have got people in our lives, but we don't have community. So many of us have crowds around us. I've got something like 900 friends on Facebook. The number of best friends I've got on that list is one. I get, I, it's easy to build a crowd, but man, it's hard to build friends. And somehow I think we are missing out on all that God has for us. Without community, there's no enjoyment. That's what Solomon spoke about. There is a lesser return for your work. You can work your butt off, and then you will realize that, man, if I had someone else with me, if I had someone else on my journey with me, there's something so much more. Uh, it, it, there's no help to get back up. And man, I know, I'm only 32, but there are times where I've needed, I've needed a friend to say, get out of your head, get out of your depression, get out of your anxiety, get out of that space, let me help you out. That's what community does. It shows it has someone else that is, that is maybe in this season doing better than you are. And they're there because they can help you out. That's what community is about. It's about having protection. It's about uh, having defense against things that, that, that stand against you. And this is a very interesting thing. I love uh, speaking to people, younger people who are going about their life and, and they're saying, oh man, I'm really struggling in this area. And I said, mate, can you hold me accountable? I was like, yeah, sure, definitely. This is so important. And then, um, and then a person struggles through whatever they're struggling with, and then they're like, oh, mate, I stuffed up. And I'm like, you said that you wanted me to be your accountability partner, but you didn't tell me when you're struggling. And I said, oh, I thought accountability is like this whole confession thing. I'll tell you when I've actually failed. It's like, that's stupid. I'm not here to tell you off when you failed. I'm here to protect you when you're about to fail. And our community is a place where when you have fallen, someone's there to pick you up. But what, what a great thing that you don't have to fall in the first place. And that's what community is about. We are better together. There's enjoyment, there's protection, there is accountability, there, there, there's help and support and love and care and warmth. Community is amazing, but so many of us are in crowds and not community. And that's because we are not building towards anything. I believe that there is this sense that God has commissioned us to be builders of community. Let me read this in Ephesians 4, 15 to 16. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. Notice that God doesn't say, you get together and then I build you. It says, you build yourself. I've given you the ability to build. And it goes on to say, as each part does its work. You know why we don't have community? Because community requires work. Community requires each part to do their work. Community requires you to play a part. Community is a responsibility 
that each and every single one of us has to have. It is not something that happens by osmosis. And you know, I love, I love our church. I really do. I love you guys. Sometimes, like people have mentioned that I'm thinning, and it's mainly because of you. <laughs> but I still love you. You know, and um, but it's, it's, I, I love that people come in, and one of the things that they say about Lyft is that Lyft is a great community. I, I found family. People actually want to talk to me. It's genuine. It's authentic. And then they say something along the lines of, thank you for being a small church. Oh, what? <laughs> thank you for being small-minded. <laughs> Just because we're a small church doesn't mean the community happens. I've seen small groups of people staying in their depression, in their anxiety, in their hurt. And it's like, I don't want to be part of that. As small as it is, there's no family happening. Why? Because family is something that's intentional and deliberate. Family is something that we work towards. I am seeing that Live Church will be a big church one day, but we will still have this amazing sense of family where you are known, that your name matters to us. It is something that is still intricately a part of our value, and we will continue to be deliberate about it. So don't tell me that you are, you've got a great community because you're small. It helps. I'll admit it. It really does help. I know, I know all of your names. I just had to look. Yeah, I think I know most of you. <laughs> I was like, whoops, don't know you. Sorry. And truth is, all of you know my name, so it's a bit hard. Um, but, but we need to get building. And these are two things. I'm going to give you two community building skills that we all need to get into our hearts, into our lives as a habit. And these things will help us continue to be the great community that we already are and will continue to grow in. Remember, each part does its work, and then the body builds itself up in love. There's something beautiful about community. I don't even know if we've truly seen the fullness of the community that God has in mind, the community culture that, 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 that God has designed us to, to, uh, to, to appreciate, to, to enjoy. I think there is still more for us, and these two things I think are very important. The first thing is that you need to have a blueprint for what you are building. You need to have in mind what you are trying to build. And it sounds really simple, but I don't know if, it's, um, if we are aware of this. Um, in Romans 14, um, let me backtrack a little bit. The book of Romans is one of my favorite books of the Bible. Why? Is because um, the Apostle Paul basically writes one of the most comprehensive systematic theologies that you can find in the whole Bible. If you really get Romans, you will probably get a lot about what the Bible is talking about. And so Paul, I don't think that was his intention. He was writing to the Roman church. This was towards the end of his life, and he was like, I need to get all of these things into the hearts of the people. And so he wrote Romans, and then he gets to chapter 14. And Paul talks about this really important thing. He talks about food. Paul dedicates a chapter to talk about food. And that's why we talk about food all the time. Family fees, yeah, anyone want to come? And I, we, we talk about food because it's, you know, sorry, backtracking. <laughs> but Paul talks about uh, the issue of food. And the problem with, well, the reason why he brought up food is because in the Roman church at that time, 
there were two groups of people. These were all Christians, by the way. These were all people um, that, um, uh, that, 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 that know, they knew Jesus, they wanted to worship Jesus, they wanted to live for Jesus. But yet in that church, there were two groups that were forming. One group of them believed that in order to please God, they still needed to avoid certain kinds of food. Because in the Old Testament, God put, uh, puts out that there are some foods that you should be avoiding that are considered unclean. And so Paul tells, uh, well, sorry, not Paul, but there's a group of people that's like, if we want to please God, we need to avoid certain foods. And then there was another group of people, and this other group of people were, were saying, no, 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 God saved us by grace. What we eat or don't eat is not going to matter to Him. And so what they were doing is that they were, I don't know, that's what it looks like to me in the Bible, but it, it was like, in particular, they would practice their freedom in front of those that were really worried. And so like, oh, look at this slice of pork. You don't like that. Well, I do. <laughs> and making a big deal out of it and ticking those people off. And that was what was going on. And Paul was like, that is causing such a big division that I need to write about it. And Paul has an opinion about this. And I would think that Paul has a great opinion on this. But instead of talking mainly about his opinion, he talks about something else. And this is his response in Romans 14, 13 to 19. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind. Make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. That's his opinion. But if anyone regards something as unclean, a person who has a different opinion to me, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what, you are, of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know be good. Uh, sorry. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. You know, if I could paraphrase Paul, I say, sure, you're having a bit of a theological debate here. But instead of doing what is right by the law, you guys are not doing right by each other. You are forgetting what is important. You have thrown aside the blueprint for community, instead latching on to legalistic thought, and have so, in so doing, you have forgotten what's important. You have forgotten what's important. Now, it does say, for the kingdom of heaven is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. There are things that are important that we need to understand about God. I'm not saying that theology should be thrown out, but something like eating, what you eat, shouldn't come between people. Whether you are, I've been saved by grace, or whether you're like, hey, we need to obey certain laws, that isn't the big deal. We need to make every effort to live in peace and to mutual edification. Mutual edification, what does that mean? It means that we are both trying to build each other up. 
And there might be someone who is living in sin and convinced that their sin is right. But there's still a way to go about it so that you're building the person up. There's still a way to build up and not tear down. And that's something that's important. When we forget the blueprint, we end up fighting for ourselves. And this is what happened to the Roman church. Their debate brought about a division, and they got caught up in a petty quarrel. And in Proverbs 17, verse 19, this is what uh, Solomon says, Whoever loves a quarrel loves sin. Whoever builds a high gate invites destruction. Are you building a high gate or are you building bridges? Are you building a high gate or are you building bridges? I think the truth is most of us start off with a blueprint to build bridges. But I think many of us end up with a high gate without even knowing it. You know, this week I, I was looking on Facebook. I'm part of a local community page and uh, it's quite fun to see what's happening in the community. Sometimes it's a bit scary uh, because Carlisle is not exactly the safest spaces. Um, but, uh, but I do enjoy kind of seeing the interactions. And, and there was this lady that posted up on the page about uh, an incident that happened during the week. And basically what had happened was that this lady and her husband, they went to the shops. And uh, as they drove into the car park, they noticed this young uh, girl who was trying to reverse out of a spot. And, um, and so what the husband decided to do was that he would stop uh, at the entrance to, to that space to block off any other cars so that this girl could take all the time that she needed to reverse out. They were building bridges. They were saying, hey, I see you. I know that you could use a little bit of help or, you know what, even though you don't really need it, this is just something nice that I can do. I'm going to build a bridge. But what he wanted to do to let her know that this is what he was doing is that he beeped the horn, just slightly. Beep. And um, she didn't take it well. The young girl thought that this couple were being impatient. And so as she was reversing it, I don't know how it happened. It was just a block of text on Facebook. There wasn't any pictures or anything. But I think she wound out her window and she started hurling abuse at this couple. Saying, why are you so impatient? With a lot more colorful language than I'm allowed to say right now. And, and, and she, was, she was abusing this couple for trying to do something nice because she completely misunderstood it. And this lady who wrote on this Facebook, she wrote... The younger generation need to learn how to respect the elders. And I, I read that thing and I was like, whoo, this is going to be fun. Let's see what happens on Facebook. Um, and unfortunately, it didn't kind of blow up as much as I thought it would. So I'm one of those that loves a quarrel. I'm still a work in progress. But, but someone mentioned, once someone mentions that, um, just saying, if you beep the horn at me, most people take it as a negative thing around here. Wouldn't it be nice if Toyota decided that on the left side of your wheel, there's a polite beep? <laughs> you know, like an ice cream truck. Just letting you know here. And then on the other side, is like, you're in danger or I don't like you. There's <laughs> right, none of that stuff. It is one horn, one sound. And the only thing you can control is how hard it, 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 how long you hold the beep for. If you punch it shortly, it just makes it beep. You know, it doesn't actually do much. That's, that's all it is. And so someone was just putting forward, hey, this is a misunderstanding. But what happened was that this lady 
originally wanted to build a bridge, but the moment that hand was slapped away, the bridge becomes a gate. The bridge became a gate. There was a misunderstanding, and all it was was a misunderstanding. But the bridge-building exercise became a gate, a high gate that brought isolation instead. And I'm wondering for many of us, we are trying to build bridges. That's our intention. I honestly don't believe that there's anyone who grew up thinking, I need a whole bunch of gates. I think most of us grow up knowing an innate need for people in our lives. And we want that, and we know that it's helpful. We know that it's important. But so many of us have experienced times where our bridge-building exercise has ended up in hurt, has ended up in rejection. And instead of continuing on with our bridge-building exercises, we end up with high gates. And that's because we forget the blueprint. We forget how our lives are meant to work in community. We forget that uh, the most important thing when we are in community is mutual edification. We forget that and we end up going, well, I've got all these materials, but this person doesn't want a bridge, and so I'm going to use it to build a gate. I'm wondering how many of us have got gates all around us. I'm wondering how many of us through our experiences have even built a gate between us and God. I'm wondering how many of us in our lives we have decided that I'm going to keep me safe. And that's why this whole idea of building, of being in community, being a community builder, is only possible if you learn how to get over and you learn how to get real. Make sure you get those things into your heart, into your spirit, because if you don't, it's so easy to lose the blueprint. It's so easy to forget how to build bridges. It's so easy to forget how to build other people up when people sometimes are just messed up or people, we misunderstand stuff. We forget that people are truly for us and in a moment they can turn on you, they can make you feel less than, they can make you feel like all your effort is worth nothing and, and it takes effort to remember that you know what, I'm still going to love. You know, one of the greatest measures of success in our lives is not how much money you have. It's not how, how many fly, uh, frequent flyer points you get. It's not about the number of places you see. It's about whether you still love. It's whether you know what it's like to be hit and yet still choose love. That is one of the greatest indicators of success in our lives. But so many of us forget the blueprint. And I just want to take this moment to say that God is always building a bridge to you. God always builds bridges. God never builds high gates around your life. In fact, the Bible tells us that Jesus is standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking. Why? Because he's already built a bridge. He's ready to be in relationship with you. Are you going to build a gate to stop Jesus in from coming in or are you going to allow the bridge to be complete by opening the door? That is something that you get to choose. That is something that is in your control, not in God's control. I mentioned this before and I'll mention it again. God doesn't change your will. 
God leaves your will to you because that is what makes you, you. If you had no will, you would not be human. But He leaves you to be you, so you get to choose. And so today, are you going to choose to build that bridge, to complete that bridge by inviting Jesus in? Or are you going to look at Jesus and go, I'm too scared, I'm too worried, I'm going to build a gate instead? You know, if you want Jesus into your life, it is as easy as saying a prayer and saying, Jesus, come on in. Jesus, come on in. That's all Jesus is asking for. Jesus did all the hard work. He came to earth. He died on the cross for our sin. Even though we were unworthy, He chose us to be worthy of love. He chose us to place His love, to place His value on us. And in so doing, He built the bridge. He has already built the bridge. So if you are here this morning and you're unsure if Jesus is the way to go, if you're unsure about where Jesus is at, can I just impress upon you, Jesus isn't building a high gate. He's already built a bridge to you. All right. So the first thing that we need to understand in community building is that we need to remember the blueprint. Bridges not gates. Bridges, not gates. That's very important. But then as we know our blueprint, the next important thing that we need to know is to understand how to use our greatest tool. How to use your greatest tool. And I chose that picture because our greatest tool is our tongue. In Proverbs 18.21, it says this, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, the problem is that our tongue is not a very easy tool to use. In James 3, 7 to 8, James writes, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. If we understand that we have this amazing, amazing tool that is available to us, then maybe you'll be more watchful about what this tool is accomplishing. Let me ask you, is your tongue, if you were to watch the sum of your words, if you were to categorize the sum of your words and then compare it to where you are, uh, uh, compare it to one another, would you have more building words or you, would you have more teardown words? Would you be more active in your building or would you be more active in your demolition? The honest truth is that our Australian culture doesn't really help us out. Our Australian culture loves teardown jokes. I love going to Hillsong Conference um, as often as I can because it's a, it's a breath of fresh air. It's getting out of Perth, getting out of work, getting out of all that stuff, and just hearing from other speakers about what God's placing on their heart. And uh, Hillsong invite all these American speakers and one thing that a, a brand new American speaker would say, nearly without fail, when they come to this Hillsong conference, is that I don't know whether to be insulted or honored by you guys. Because one moment you're like, you're amazing. Next moment you are making fun of me, you are poking, poking me to no end, and all of these American speakers, because they come from a culture where making fun of each other is actually not very common. Whereas in Australian culture, and I love it, I love it, I love those jokes, I love teasing people, I love putting them down every now and then. 
honestly, I love it. But sometimes it's hard to know where that line is. Sometimes it's really hard to know that line. And I remember there was once I was a, I was a young adult, part of a youth group um, team. And when you're in a youth group team, one of the things that you do is that you tease each other, especially about relationships. This is what young people do. And so we were in this group, and there were a couple of my mates who were kind of getting a bit closer, and they were, they were hanging out, and they were chatting, and, and all that kind of stuff. And I knew that they were not romantically attracted to each other, and never would be, because she was taller than him. And for both of them, it was a no-no, but it was still really cute. And I thought it would be, ha-ha, target acquired. And so I teased them. Every time I saw them together, walk past, they're like, you know, throw a little zinger, throw a little joke out, tease them. And I kept doing it until my friend came up to me and said, you know what, mate? This is why we don't have good friendships between guys and girls. <laughs> like, this is why. That's why in our church, no one can be friends. And when you go to any social gatherings in our young adult community back then, Guys on one side, girls on one side, Moses and the Red Sea were in the middle. <laughs> I'm like, no way, you can't, no, no. Any person reaching, it's like, haha, joke time. And I looked at myself and I, I can actually still remember how many times I caught a little glimpse in their eyes of hurt, of disappointment. But I kept going. I didn't see the line until it was a bit too late. I could have fostered greater relationships, friendships between people, but I decided to just joke and have a good time. There was another time that, um, you know, we were in a bit of a group and we were talking about something and everyone was talking about how good something was. I, I gave a little throwaway backhand comment. It's like, oh, yeah, but there was this. And someone just mentioned the typical Nate always has something negative to say. I was like, what is going on? Honestly, that shut me up for the rest of the night. That thought was just in my head. Am I really that bad? Honestly, yes. Honestly, yes. I can blame my culture. I can blame, you know, the, the way that I do things. I can say that that's the kind of, I'm a detail-minded person. I see that kind of stuff. Honest truth is that I've just allowed my tongue to tear down instead of build up. How many of us have gotten to habits where our tongue is tearing down instead of building up? And this goes in so many ways. This doesn't even need to be about someone else. What are you saying about yourself? Maybe you're not even trying to, it's not about tearing someone else down. You're tearing yourself down. You are self-destructing whenever it comes to relationships. There was this really, really sad situation that um, you know, I was sitting with this guy, and this guy was um, going through a difficult season, and this guy was talking about how um, he just doesn't know whether he's worth it or not. And, and I just asked him, so, so, so what are you doing? What are you doing about it? And he just said, you know what, whenever I feel like no one loves me, I just eat, and then I go to bed. He allowed self-destructive habits into his life. He put on a bunch of weight so that people wouldn't reject him. He would just self-reject. 
How many of us are stopping community from happening because we're not even watching the kind of words that we're giving to ourselves, the kind of things that we're allowing to wash over us? Do you realize that God knows that all of us are broken individuals with journeys ahead of us, with things that are not perfect yet, and maybe will never be, but He's still saying, let's put you guys together. Why? Because as each part does its work, the body builds itself up in love. Our community outside of these walls needs the church to do better. Our community is crying out for a genuine, loving, edifying community to be a part of. I know that because I've done some research, some survey work, and people are saying the greatest thing a church can do, most people would say they can help bring people together. That's one of the greatest strengths of a church that was and still is today and will continue to be tomorrow. It is not about how bright our lights are or how flashy our band is or, or how amazing speakers we got. It really is about the community that we have because we represent Christ wherever we go. We represent Christ to whoever we come in contact with. And if we choose to use our tongue to tear down instead of build up, that's what we're representing Christ as. People are not coming in because they're like, I don't need anyone else to tell me how unworthy or how unvaluable I am. But people are looking out for someone to say, I see you. You matter. You've got something greater in you. Can we go on this journey together? Some of you are way better at this than I am. And I can still learn a lot more. But if we can go on this journey together, why not ask someone that you trust this afternoon? Do I build up enough or do I tear down more often? I'm being serious about this. Maybe I'll come to some of you and ask you that. How's your tongue going? Are you building up or are you tearing down? I believe that our conversations can be better. They don't have to be just about the fun stuff. Sport, makeup. I was trying to think of a girl illustration. <laughs> do you see the blank there? <laughs> what do girls do? Nails, hair, braiding. Beck went out to meet up with one of her girlfriends yesterday. I said, what do you guys talk about? 15 ways to braid your hair. <laughs> and Beck was like, you think that that's all we talk about? I was like, yeah, probably. <laughs> so you tear down again, not so good. I don't know. But we can do better, hey. We can truly ask each other, how are you going? You know, Beck and I, at the start of this year, when we went to Tassie, we kind of evaluated how we were going as a married couple. We were five years in. And one of the things that we brought up as we talked about is that, hey, we don't ask each other as often. What are you learning? What is God talking to you about? Can we bring that back in? Can we bring that back in every week, just asking each other, so what are you learning? I was like, yeah, why did we stop? We just get familiar, don't we? And we like keeping things on a surface level. We like keeping things at a level that doesn't require much investment. And we invest in things that don't matter. And then one day we realize, why am I isolated? Why am I alone? Why am I not enjoying everything that I've done? It's like, because you are alone. You are not able to be in community. You're simply in a crowd. Can we get the band up this morning? This morning, 
This morning, I, I think that this is not really about, it's not about me praying for you guys. I think it's about us learning how to be in community. And some of you are not going to like this, I'll be honest, because for you, this is too intrusive. Can I just ask that you evaluate whether you've got gates or you've got bridges going for you? But what I'd like us to do is to, in a moment, grab a couple of people around you, maybe into groups of three or four. If you're with your spouse, maybe, maybe look at going with someone else and grabbing a couple of people. Then just asking each other, how are you going? Can, is there something that I can pray for? And then just pray for each other. We need to get good at this, and I think that we already are. I love that our live groups are always so well attended. We've always got people going. They always end with this time to be able to pray for each other, and it's amazing. But I think we need to get even more deliberate about it. God has got us on a trajectory where we are going to be growing, where we are going to be expanding. We are going to have more people added to our family. But we will never forget how to build community. I don't want us to. It's too precious. You know, I've heard of people saying that I want to go to a bigger church because there I can hide. I want people to see us as a big church one day and still recognize that their name is known, that their name matters. It's not about hiding. It's about learning how to be open. When we don't know how to be open with people, I reckon we don't know how to be open with God. When we don't know how to be open to the person that we can see, feel, touch, and know, I reckon that shows that there's a closeness in our heart towards God as well. But if we learn how to be open with one another, the Bible tells us, I spoke about this last week, confess your sin to one another, open up, live in community, be real. So can we practice this? Honestly, if you're not comfortable with this, I'm not going to force it on you. You can just head over to the foyer. We will catch you in just a few moments. Have some sweets, coffee, tea, and we will join you. And honestly, it's not going to be a judgment thing. We don't have anyone. Andre is not sitting there because he's going to be judging you. He literally is sitting there because he's sitting there. We don't have anyone watching out and judging. This is not what this is about. But if you want to practice building community, if you want to practice being real, Stick around five, ten minutes. Get with a couple of people around you and start to pray. Can we stand together? Dear God, I thank you that you place us in community because we are better together. And I pray that in this place that every person understands that they have a part, that they are a significant, invaluable part of community that they can know and be known, that they can build and be built. And God, I pray that this church will always be a church, a great community, will always be a space where people can be safe and can continue to grow. I thank you, God. I pray this in your name. Amen. Now, if you want to practice this with me, why don't you grab a couple of people around you and just ask, hey, is there anything I can pray for you about? Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lyft, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.